the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to the show, fellow ridiculous historians. My name is Ben. You usually do something. You usually do a bit at the beginning of the show. I'm, I'm, you threw me for a loop there, Ben. Do, do you want a bit? We can I need go a bit. back. I think I need, we I need to a go bit. back and I need do a, a bit. bit. Okay, guys. Uh, journey with us back to the beginning. Wait, should we keep this all on mic? Uh, yeah, of course. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, we need to fill time. All right. So um, there's our super producer, Casey Pegram. Everybody give him a hand. You guys, we are flying blind today. <laughs> we are. We are. Here's, instead of a bit, let's do a bit of background. How about that? Ben, that's right. smart. There that we is a go. smart use of the word bit. So everyone knows where we're coming from, right, Noel? Uh, well, that, that's very important. <laughs> Setting up the scene is very important. So today's scene um, starts in, uh, well, in France. And Europe in general, oh, yeah. I guess, uh, in the late 1700s. Because you see in 1799, Napoleon Bonaparte, remember? The mm -hmm. guy that got swarmed by cute little bunnies? Yeah. Uh, he overthrew the uh, French revolutionary government, right? Yes. And this triggered what is known as the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, because he had designs on conquering, like, everything. Yeah, he, had, uh, he was like a more successful William Walker who you'll recall from previous episodes. The Napoleonic Wars occurred between 1803 and 1815. And this was um, the French Empire led by Napoleon against just a mixtape of various European powers Voltroning together, usually led by the United Kingdom. That yeah. was the ringleader. And just just for a little bit of uh, a quick bookkeeping, it was in 1802 that there was a thing called the Peace of Armenes that ended a decade of war between Great Britain and France. Right, right. So things were not particularly stable to begin with when the wars began in 1803. And before we go on, 
this is this is going to be a punchy episode, folks. I think that's the word you use, Noel, because when I said a bit of background, I was also talking on a meta level about our situation today. We are, Noel, Casey, and I are in the studio for this episode, and then we're going to be here into the night making an appearance on a favorite show of ours, Behind the Bastards. Should go ahead and plug that and assume that we survive this recording session. Yeah, we'll see. It's we're it's, we're going to be some punchy characters by the time that's all said and done. But yeah, our our, our buddy Robert Evans asked us to be on the show, and uh, we thought he was joking when he said, "Yeah, you know, it'll just be about three or four hours." <laughs> we're like, "Okay, we're you know we're we're, we're game." But uh, I'll tell yeah. you who else was game was Napoleon for some conquerings. Yes, no. Why don't you walk us through a few of these conflicts because this context is very important to today's story. Well, uh, the, the U.S. was actually involved a little bit as well. Um, Napoleon got back uh, Louisiana from Spain in 1800, and then he made a brash attempt to overthrow a revolution in Haiti, um, but it did not succeed. And so having Louisiana was not a valuable thing without the strategic stronghold of Haiti. Right. So he decided to give it back to the U.S. Uh, in the Louisiana Purchase of 1803 before Great Britain could invade it. Yes, and in addition to this, the British forces were increasingly creeped out, irritated, angered, upset, and eventually frightened by Napoleon's actions uh, in Europe, right, with Switzerland, Germany, Italy, and the Netherlands. And they were also concerned, as you said, that Napoleon might not stop at Haiti, he might become a threat to Britain's overseas colonies. That's right, because the the British had the Royal Navy, and they were doing quite a good job of defending their shores, um, and French invasion attempts had not gone so well. But the tide kind of turned when there were some big successes by the French military, and the power of the British Navy started to wane a little bit, and they really yeah. needed to kind of bolster that up. So there was a lot of paranoia that there would be a direct invasion uh, by sea of British territories. And that is where our story truly begins with this paranoia mm -hmm. and this concept of uh, the French are coming. Yes, the French are coming. There was a nationwide um, fear that some historians describe as an irrational anxiety about Napoleon's motives and intentions. Uh, they were especially spooked when Napoleon asserted control over Switzerland. They thought the French, the British, they just thought the French could be coming at any given moment. And one day, according to the story, or a legend, or at the very least alleged story, a French ship actually did land in England, but it wrecked. It wrecked by an old fishing village named Hartlepool. Yeah, it was like right there on the beach, and um, supposedly the Hartlepoolians, Hartlepoolians, came running, um, and there were supposedly no survivors to this wreck. No humans. Um, no. Well, well, Ben, come on, come now. <laughs> no human survivors to this wreck. Uh, but there was a, a little hairy guy um, who, who was, you know, in fact or in fiction, a monkey. Yes. The only survivor of the wreck there on the northeastern coast of England was a very panicked and traumatized little monkey uh, who washed ashore, miraculously survived. 
Keep in mind, everybody else on the ship drowned. Right. And the Hartlepudlians had never seen a primate like this before. That is what they say. And um, according to a source from historicuk.com, the monkey was possibly dressed in a tiny military uniform. See, that's, that's interesting. And I appreciate that you say possibly. Because again, there are things about this story, I think you can tell by the way we're carefully hedging some of these statements, there are things about this story that can't really be proven. But we do know internally the logic jibes because the monkey's supposed to be a mascot of the ship, right? Yeah, but that's the thing though, Ben. I mean, do, do all ships have mascots? I, I, that's not something I'd ever heard of before. Surely not. You carry around a, like a signature animal, like a familiar? No, some military groups have done that. Yeah, but... I guess so. Like, a, like an actual living creature. Well, I guess like a football team, like having like the UGA uh, bulldog or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. I guess when I think of a mascot, I think of somebody wearing a, you know. A, a big, a, a, big a, costume, a furry, a basically. Furry. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so this uh, s- supposed primate, uh, supposedly dressed in a tiny military uniform, uh, was panicked, as one could imagine, and gibbering mm-hmm. mindlessly, as monkeys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, According to the tale, um, the Hartlepudlians interpreted this gibbering as as a foreign language, possibly French. Now, let's pause there for a second. Casey, could you do us a, a massive favor and play the sound of a monkey chattering? Because we all know a little bit about French, enough to know what it sounds like, roughly. <laughs> Clearly not French. Well, I mean, if you don't know French, who's who's to say? Who's to say? And that is the crux of the story, Noel, because the people of this town, the Hartlepudlians, had an awareness of the nation of France and the threat that it posed geopolitically, but not a person in the village had ever seen a French person. And to make matters worse, apparently a lot of political satire cartoons of the day depicted Frenchmen as uh, hairy monkey-like creatures with tails and subhumans. Exactly, because they were the enemy. I mean, it was sort of like the, you know, the Red Scare type stuff. I mean, this guy is like gunning for their their lands, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so what do do they do? They they do like any uh, God-fearing uh, French-fearing person would do. They panic. They panic. They absolutely they panic. They freak out. They bug out. And according to the story, they seize, again, this poor traumatized monkey who has skirted death once already. So they they panic. It's exactly what they do. Uh, and they say, we have to do something about this Frenchman. Yeah, but thankfully, you know, they had their, their wits were about them. They didn't let justice go unserved, Ben. They, they decided to put this monkey on trial. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, due to the language barrier, yes. uh, the monkey was not able to defend itself uh, or provide um, satisfactory answers to the townspeople's questions. That's right, because the thing is, Ben, they didn't just think the monkey was a, was a Frenchman. They thought the monkey was a French spy. Mm-hmm. And I've yet to find a detail that, that justifies why exactly that was. But those are the questions they were asking him. A lot of them. Are you a spy? Meh! Right? I said... Are you a spy? <laughs> he just keeps speaking French at me. I know, I know. So yeah, so they they sentenced the, the monkey to death according to the tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can read different accounts of this, uh, but sources that cleave to the, the story or the anecdote say that the townsfolk literally dragged this monkey into the town square and then they hanged him and he died. But... 
this is where we get a couple of different, I don't know, interpretations and questions about credibility. Because there's a darker side to the tale that we found in historicuk.com. Yeah, saw this, this one. I know the one you're talking about. Go yeah. on, Ben. The Hanging of the Hartlepool Monkey by Ben Johnson. The dark turn is this. Maybe the villagers didn't actually hang a monkey, but instead a small boy, pretty a child, uh, who was employed on the warship. Because at this time, there were boys who were hired on and worked on these ships to prime the cannons with gunpowder. Yeah, with the very convenient name of powder monkeys. Right. So is this a game of telephone throughout history with the misinterpretation occurring as people tell the story over and over again? Yeah, it's 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 true. These are these are all very important questions that we probably won't have an actual satisfactory answer to, spoiler, spoiler alert. But it's because no one was there and it was, you know, a lot of ships went down around that time because, uh, like I said, the um, the naval exploits of Napoleon weren't mm-hmm. all always that successful. Right. And according to historic England's records of 38,000 shipwrecks around the coast of Britain, 14 ships sank in the Hartlepool Bay area around that time. So there, it was not incredibly uncommon for shipwrecks to occur. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. 
$45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So that's, I think we can agree, that's more or less the gist of the legend, correct? Correct, but that's not the gist of the episode. I mean, we wouldn't just stop short there. There's, there's got to be more, Ben. There's got to be more. Please give us more. There has to be more. You're right. Because, you see, this is where the credibility of the tale comes into question. So you could say maybe something like this happened and it got embellished over time, right? But the problem is this tale is attributed to more than one place. There's a remarkably similar tale from 1772 that centers on Bodum near Peterhead in Aberdeenshire. I love British town names. Mm -hmm. There's an even better one, Ben, I believe, that's uh, a Welsh town, or no, I'm sorry, a Cornish town, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, I'll give this one a go, my friend. (laughs) Mevagissi. Okay. Mevagissi. That's good. Mevagissi. Yeah, come on. Cornish folk, write us us in. Tell us us how we— Give it a shot. Mm, I would have done the same. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. So in both of these cases, uh, villagers supposedly find a monkey. Yeah. And, and in one of them, I believe, they it was the last survivor of the shipwreck. And yeah. so they killed it so that they could have claim on the cargo. Isn't mm-hmm. that the deal? It was some kind of technicality. Salvage law, yeah. That's Aberdeenshire. It. Uh-huh. And That's so brutal. The monkey was human enough. I guess. What would it have done? Would it have become the new captain would of the wrecked would, ship? Would it have made a claim? And then the other one, I believe, the monkey was an organ grinder monkey. It wasn't the same. It was a, yeah. it was a slightly different it situation. Bit, it bit a kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. That monkey had it coming. That still happens when animals attack people. Mm-hmm. You ever he, seen that show, When Animals Attack People? I've uh, I've seen When Animals Attack. Yes, but my favorite one is the the one where it's specifically they attack people. Yes. I you know what I'm I'm fond of animals attacking cars. Hmm. That's a thing. Yeah. You know, have you ever seen those videos of like? First off, if you have never been around a monkey, some of those monkeys are brutal. They are not playing. No. And it will break into don't your they, car. Don't they eat their young too? Did I make that up? I don't know. Never mind. Let us know. Right in. <laughs> Let us know if that's just a primate stereotype that we've we've seen spread. Or we could just check it now, right? So those are two points against the veracity of the story. That one thing very similar is attributed to a completely different town. And there are other points that stick with it. A lot of people who say that it definitely happened there in Hartlepool are supportive of it as a being a part of local culture. Yeah. No, it's totally like part of their heritage um, because the, it, it's weird. It's like on the one hand, it seems like a term of abuse. But on the other hand, some people look at it as a term of pride. Hartlepoodlians are often described as monkey hangers. Yeah. And for centuries after the legend spread, references to monkey hanging were used to mock the residents, the Hartlepoodlians. And apparently... At football matches today between local rivals, they have this chant, who hung the monkey? Which I would have loved to hear out of context. Yeah, there's also a quote um, in this BBC article called, Was a Monkey Really Hanged in Hartlepool? from a historian by the name of Keith Gregson, who mentions the fact that there was sort of a divide between the town um, because of a newly 
industrialized area, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a sense that the folks that lived in this new uh, industrialized part of the town um, called West Hartley Pool were more intelligent than those who lived in the old, um, more antiquated you know, old, clinging on to the old ways part of the town, um, who may have been the ones who hanged this monkey. So it was kind of a, there is a divide there. And that's the older part of the town is also where the fishing industry continued, right? So they would have been most likely to be hanging out by the waters. Yeah. And as the years pass, the people of Hartlepool begin to embrace this story. As you had mentioned, Noel, as you alluded to earlier, it becomes a point of cultural pride or something that differentiates their town from other nearby towns and people begin to fall in love with it. It it becomes the subject of books. There's even a graphic novel. I think there's a play and uh, there's even a song with a little bit of story behind it. Yeah, let's hear that. Well, a Lord Mayor of Atleypool was walking along the shore When he seen this little hairy man he'd never seen before Sitting in the sand was this hairy little man Clutching a banana in his little hairy hand singing Also not proven. No, no. This this song, spoiler, this song essentially does the entire story. It really does. And it, 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 it takes a good four and a half minutes to do it, so we'll go ahead and give it a nice little fade out right now. Yeah. But the song is actually a big part of how this legend kind of came to be what it is today, right, Ben? Right, that's how it got popularized. Or at least the evolution of a song. I'm not quite sure if it's this song, Right. I can't actually find any attribution for what this song is, and there's a set of lyrics that's mm-hmm. a little different that is a reference to a song that was first performed in 1855 mm-hmm. by a performer from the area by the name of Mr. E. Corvin, or Edward Ned Corvin, who was a Victorian performer who toured around the area uh, known as the Tyneside. Mm -hmm. You ever heard of this, Ben? Yeah, he was a a Tyneside concert hall player, wrote songs and stuff. Tyneside is uh, the banks of the River Tyne in northeast England, so it's a region that includes a couple of places. A couple of different places that have great names, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Gateshead, Tynemouth, Walsend, South Shields, and Jarrow. Probably mispronounced a couple of those, but if you're listening and you're from that part of the world, hey, shout out to you. Shout out to you. I thought you were going to tell him to shut up. No, more. I want more Tyneside, you know? What's interesting about Ned, we can call him Ned because we're fans of his, uh, was that he was known for writing um, like a satirical song, a little bit of a lighthearted roast for every town that he visited. So he would go visit a town and he would write a song about them while he was there and he would perform it in the town. So when Ned goes to Hartlepool, he writes a song about... Yeah, he writes a song about the, the monkey hanging. Mm-hmm. And this song becomes popular in the region. People love it. Eventually, from what I understand, Hartlepoolians themselves begin to be fans of the song. Well, here's the thing. Um, In this BBC article, they talk about how Mm -hmm. he was making references to a previous song that existed called The Baboon, which was written in 1825, or which was first heard around 1825. Um, And it was 
a different story entirely about a baboon that visited the region with some uh, Cossack soldiers. Yeah. So I don't quite see the connection there. But it just it, they both happened in Tyneside. Yeah. Too. But how did he know about the? He just made up the Napoleonic. Uh, is, is is that what's being implied here, Ben? That he just made this thing up wholesale? It, what it seems they're implying is that this was a remix or a, a reworked version of the song, and that he took elements from the baboon and used them in his song about the Hartlepoodlian monkey hangers. But at that point, was this already a legend? That's my question. Is, like, is the legend coming from the song? Like, where, where is the, uh, where's the seed of truth here? Because there are people that still, we're going to talk about in a second, that still hang on to the fact, that the idea that this could well have happened because it's such a bizarre story. But that logic always eludes me when you say, it's so crazy, it must be true. Well, also, those folks, as we'll find, have uh, skin in the game. Right, uh, the main people who believe it are themselves Hartlepudlians. It it feels like Corvin heard the story, the the French monkey story, right, and then mixed with it aspects of the story about the baboon, also from Tyneside, and then added a dash of his own stuff. Oh, here we go. And then set the whole thing in Hartlepool. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. And here we go. We also have some other, uh, something from this uh, BBC article that says the original song had some phrases in it that he reused, like Harry French Spy uh-huh. and Napoleon's Uncle. Um, and I, I wish I could find the lyrics to The Baboon. Um, but there's another set of lyrics mm-hmm. called The Monkey Song that's not the same as when we played. So there's a lot of these songs floating around, but it goes, In former times when war and strife, the French invasion threatened life, and all was armed to the knife, the fishermen hung the monkey. The fisherman with courage high seized on the monkey for a French spy. Hang him, says one. He's to die. They did, and they hung the monkey O. But it's like, it's got that same sing-songy, folky quality that the song we played has. In the original song, the song we played, he goes, they think he's a spy, so we'll hang him in the square. And this one's just a little bit different. The, The fishermen were courage high, seized on the monkey for a French spy. Hang him, says one. He's to die. They did, and they hung the monkey O. So I don't know, man. Like, is it song that's like making this legend a thing, or mm. is it oral history? It's oral history first, and then the song, which is borrowing from other songs. I got it. Okay. So it's still, and because it's a song, it's still oral history. It's true. That's a good point, Ben. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Here's where we find disagreements. As, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of the people who wholeheartedly believe in this story or claim to are themselves Hartlepudlians. The successful mayoral candidate in the 2002 local elections is a guy named Stuart Drummond. He campaigned dressed in the costume of— Well, he wasn't just dressed in it, Ben. He yeah. was the official mascot of uh-huh. the uh, Hartlepudlian football club. Right, and he campaigned for mayor dressed in that character. But that was a—it was like a, 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 a sort of a goof. It was sort of a goof, but he maintains that it really did happen. But of course he would maintain that it really did happen. He's— Running for mayor, he wants the town to be unique. It's great PR, and as as we said, he was the mascot for a time. Yeah, but he, but he also won. He did win and he stayed mayor for for like I think eleven years. He was mayor. Three election victories. He he uh, succeeded, and yeah, and it just goes to and he you know he maintains that nobody can say whether or not this happened or not because uh, nobody was there, and that's okay. That's one way of looking at it. I saw, I saw a quote where he said that it definitely something happened. The problem is most of the people who disagree with him are professional historians. And even if they don't go so far as to say this never happened, they end up saying we looked everywhere for proof of this and we could find absolutely no proof. There was some excitement in 2005 when an animal bone was found buried on the beach. Despite the fact that in the story, the monkeys hanged in the town square, people thought, well, this might be physical proof of a small primate washing ashore. Unfortunately, it was not a primate bone. It was the bone of a prehistoric deer. That's right. A deer from somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 years ago when herds of deer would have uh, migrated across that part of the country. Um, And they were followed by tribes of hunters who wanted them for sustenance and for, you know, the byproducts like their skin and their and their antlers and stuff. And this is from a great article. Uh, which, uh, this the, is my headline pick of the very, week. Very, very yeah. pithy headline. Very good. Ancient bone, not from monkey spy. Mm-hmm. Hopes of unraveling the mystery of the legendary Hartlepool monkey said to have been hanged as a Napoleonic spy have been scuppered by science. Scuppered. Scuppered's a great word. We need to bring that back. Is that like a scuppernog? What's a scuppernog? It's like a type of grape, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, sort of like a muscat. Ah, okay. Yeah. Muscat, I know, mm-hmm. yeah. but... It's, Scupper, say it again. Scuppernog. Scuppernog. That sounds so Tolkien-esque. Yeah, you can make wine out of it. And in fact, it is c- compared to a, a muscadine. Okay. It is a, a large variety of muscadine. Oh, there you go. A species of grape native to the southern United States. So right here in our backyard. And at this point, it becomes somewhat of a matter of opinion. What do you feel better about believing? The main argument for proponents of the story is that it's not hurting anyone and there's no proof that it didn't happen which is not a particularly strong position to take, especially because on the other side of the coin, there's no proof that it did happen. That's right. 
So what what do you believe? What do you choose to believe, folks? Ah, oh, we're putting it to the, the the people. Well, and to you as well, though. Oh, Why okay. Well, I don't know, man. I don't want to poo-poo on anybody's uh, monkey parade or anything, but it feels to me like with the, the nature of the multiple monkey stories, mm-hmm. uh, some of the kind of, you know, um, mutating facts in the story mm-hmm. and the different accounts in song, I feel like this is rife for having been a, a kind of a good gag, uh, mm-hmm. poking fun at the intellect of the people of uh, of Hartlepool. Yeah, personally, I choose to believe it didn't happen because I don't like the idea of a town of people hanging a monkey. I know, man. Come on. That's brutal. For me to be able to laugh at it and derive enjoyment from it, I have to think of it as a tall tale. There you go. So this is this is the story. Oh, man, I can't wait for the flood of email from people who have strong opinions. We're going to get a lot of Tyneside People listeners. have strong opinions? About and they, it. And they send emails? It's a new thing. That's it's insane. A new thing. You can be part of it. We'll give you the information at the end. But speaking of emails, enough about us. Uh, what, what about you? Did you see any good listener mails today, Noel? As a matter of fact, I do, Ben. I did, and I do still. Do uh, this did. one, yeah, this one comes from Mr. Venomous, and it says, Ben and Noel, agents of discord, is what he's referring to us as, which I like. Uh, in all of history, my favorite historical figure is Emperor Norton. Uh, his story makes him a perfect candidate for ridiculous history. In 1848, he was bequeathed $40,000 from his father's estate. He tried making it as a businessman in San Francisco, but made a bad investment in buying 100 tons of pure Peruvian rice. A prolonged court battle over the loss of his investment led him to go bankrupt corrupt in 1858. Penniless and discontent with the legal system and politics, he declared himself emperor of the United States and protector of Mexico in 1859. Uh, let's just leave it there, Ben, because I like this one. And mm-hmm. it, it almost sounds like it's something stuff you miss in history class or a uh, peer podcast may have done. Yeah. But if not, we're going to snatch it up. And Agents of Discord is a reference, I believe, to one of our other shows. Mr. Venomous has written in to us before um, on stuff they don't want you to know, I believe. It does ring a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear from you again, man. I agree with my trusty co-host here. That is a fantastic idea for an episode if we're the first ones to get to the plate on it. We have one more email uh, that's, that's a little bit long from Adam S., He titled it, Lots of Topics, Sorry. I'm just going to read some of the greatest hits or the excerpts here. So, Adam, you say, hey, guys, recently picked up the podcast, so catching up, and I'm nearly there. I love the show so far, but I do listen to the new episodes, then go back to make my way through that golden backlog. Oh, I've never heard uh, our backlog described as golden. He has some suggestions for food fails. Adam says, you talked about food fails. Uh, Can I point a drink one your way? Here in the UK, Coca-Cola released a water, which I think you may still get in the US, Dasani. They use the marketing as something like, can't live without spunk. Here in the UK, that's a slang word for something you really wouldn't want in your drink. Uh, We we say that over here plenty. Yeah, I think that's that one made it across the pond. And Adam says, it got better when it was found out that it was treated tap water from a suburb in London and was no better than said tap water. When the press got a hold of it, it was a PR nightmare and pulled. I think it may be one of the funniest and worst PR disasters here for a while. Now, this got me thinking, at least, we could do an episode on some of the biggest historic food fails. There used to be a museum in the States a long time ago that was a hall of shame 
for foods that appeared and disappeared from supermarkets, things like uh, peas that were pressed into a shape of French fries to try to trick kids into eating their vegetables. Uh, yeah, as a, as a father of a nine-year-old, I can tell you that's not going to fly. It did not fly. But uh, I tried making my kid uh, eat cauliflower because you can like make cauliflower into like a rice-type substance. Yeah. She doesn't buy it. She knows it's not rice. I'll make a cauliflower pizza. I bet she'd dig it. Well, that's different. I feel like that's 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 a good example, Ben, because that's like you baking it and it has that crunch. Mm-hmm. But with rice, it's just they're not they're not rice sized grains. You're not going to mistake them for rice. No. That's why it's riced cauliflower, not cauliflower rice, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So thank you, Mr. Venomous. Thank you, Adam, for writing in. Uh, we want to hear some more food fails. So send us your favorite ones from your neck of the global woods. Yeah, you can write to us at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. You can hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that. You can join our Facebook group, Ridiculous Historians, where we still kick around some fun ideas and have a really nice community that's uh, sprung up there. So come, come hang out with us there on Ridiculous Historians. Of course, we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis and Eves Jeffcoat, our research associates. And thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our track. We'll see you next time, folks. Can we go out on the monkey song? That's catchy. Oh, man, let's do it. It was up in dear old Atlipool about the time of France. The Emperor Napoleon was leading us a dance. When up along the coast came a British man of war. The captain's old pet monkey got washed up on the shore. Singing old folks, young folks, everyone and each. Come and see the Frenchie that's landed on the beach. He's got long arms, a great long tail, and he's covered all in hair. We think that he's a spy, so we'll hang him in the square. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.